Jordan is on best. Harper's on middle. Play together, they believe. Um, it cares Levert. It's cold. Levert. Back in. Speed. Oh, he's a one-man wrecking crew. Holiday. Shot clock down to six. Finds one. Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Schindler. As always, before we get started, if you've not already, please be sure to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts. And of course, Read us over at Indie Cornrows. We have a lot of great stuff coming out. We just uh, completed the Raptors series, and we're heading into our next two-game series. This time, not a back-to-back. It'll be two games in three days. Uh, psyched to be joined by someone who I've been in contact with on, uh, on Twitter for a while now, but first time we're getting to talk uh, face-to-face. Our guest, you know, uh, uh, our COVID form of face-to-face. Um, I, I'm joined by Sam Purley from uh, Hornets.com, who covers the Charlotte Hornets. Sam, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good, Mark. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining, dude. I'm uh, I'm actually really excited to talk about the Hornets because they've been uh, – last year I think they were probably my second or third most watched league pass team uh, because I really enjoy the young guys and I really – A, I mean, bringing back the uh, the kind of OG pinstripe jerseys is a big help for, for getting you to watch the game. Um, and overall, I just really like this team and, and kind of where they're headed. I know 7 and 10 doesn't exactly pop off the page, but um, in watching them this year, I've probably caught six or seven in the games – um, I caught the the first Orlando game, not the second Orlando game. Uh, so I caught some good fireworks uh, to break that that losing streak. Um, I guess the first thing I would ask you before we get started, um, I mean, as we get started, uh, what were your kind of expectations for the team coming in, and, and what have you thought of them so far? Just kind of on a on a you know more overarching scale, like nothing too granular. Man, expectations going in. I think, um, you know, obviously optimistic. You talked about last year's team. There was a lot of good promising. You know, I, I forget what they ended up finishing, 22 and 45 or whatever it was. And um, But for the most part, they were they were competitive in just about every single game. They weren't, yeah. you know, getting – doesn't matter who they're playing. They were kind of going, you know, be hanging with a really elite team like the Lakers until mid, midway through the third or fourth quarter, and they kind of pull away. So those really promising signs last year. And then – Obviously not getting to the bubble um, in Orlando was a little bit of a, you know, setback in the sense that they went nine months without playing. And so I think my kind of expectations of this year were really reserved going and just had no idea what to expect with the time off. Um, you know, they lost a lot of veterans. They lost Marvin Williams towards the end of last year. They lost um, Nick Batum. I know wasn't playing very much, but was an important veteran presence. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist. I mean, they really kind of got even younger. Um so I think my expectations are really reserved going into the season. Obviously, adding the two big, you know, jump off the page additions in, in Lamelo Ball in the draft, and, and then Gordon Hayward a few days later in free agency really kind of signaled, um, you know, I, I guess a step forward yeah. for this team. So, um, you know, I think the season has definitely had some games that could have won. They've had some games where they had come back from big deficits and won. So it's been kind of a mixed bag, I think, with a lot of teams. And I think the most part is it's just so hard right now with the practice stuff and trying to learn everything. You had a fast training camp, a lot of young guys learning to play together. Um, so my expectations are, you know, I guess they were mostly reserved coming into the year. You just, it's just hard to, hard to know what's going to work this year with just the weird schedule and the COVID stuff and, um, and things like that, this NBA season, but I'm just thankful that we're playing right now more than anything. Yeah, no, I agree. It's a, it's it's interesting. It's it's a really interesting dichotomy because I look at it, and I'm like, 
you know, it sounds almost like privileged to even talk about. It. Like, I don't have to worry about anything else, just basketball, because I get paid to do it. But then I think about it, I'm like, <laughs> so much crap going on. But then at the same time, it's like, I'm so glad that I can just dive into film or uh, look, you know, work on an article so that I don't have to think about like some of the crap that's going on right now. Um, but I agree. It's been nice to just uh, get to have basketball back and feel like slightly normal, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And especially looking at that, like, you know, it's different for the Pacers because they were able to go to the bubble and they obviously went to the playoffs and, and, and struggled there. Um, but you look at the Hornets and they didn't play for almost nine months, uh, maybe even a little bit longer. I can't remember entirely. I think, yeah, March to, uh, yeah, probably just about nine months. Um, so that brings a whole new set of, of challenges and changes and everything. And, and especially too, like you're talking about with LaMelo, like, um, I mean, the Pacers didn't have a first round pick this year, but even like Cassius Stanley, who was extremely raw, no summer league. You look at, I mean, so I think we're seeing a lot of rookies who have struggled so far, like Anthony Edwards has actually had really good flashes. His counting stats have been horrendous, though. Efficiency just really not there. We're seeing a lot of rookies with that. But LaMelo has been awesome to start the year. Like, And, and I, I say that, too, with a little bit of reservation because I'm, I'm pretty tight with a lot of guys in draft Twitter. And I think one of the biggest things is you have to be careful in terms of levying expectations on guys, you know, either positive or negative, right? Um, but he has been legitimately so much better than I was expecting coming in. Like, I knew he was going to be good eventually, but – uh, just the way that he's impacted games from my eye and watching him has been tremendous so far. And uh, yeah, anything that you, you can share on, uh, on what you think of his game so far and what he brings to the team would be incredible. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah. Well, as, as, you know, kind of as low key as summer it was for the Hornets, we did get to do the, just to backtrack real quick, we did get to do the practice bubble workout mm-hmm. thing for two weeks, which I think was really, really important. Just kind of bringing the guys together. Um, and that came a couple weeks after obviously, uh, jumping up in the draft lottery. I think they were projected eighth, got to third. So that was a really big momentum boost. Yeah. So that really shifted, you know, the team's approach to the draft this year. Um, and LaMelo, you know, he's just been, I've been, you know, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about what he was going to be and things like that. I mean, he just came from such a unique background in terms of playing pro overseas and playing, you know, when he was, you know, 15, 16 years old in Lithuania and then in Australia and then kind of the startup leagues. It was hard to get a kind of a read on, you know, what's real, what's not, what's manufactured. And, um, you know, the, the talent level is just, is insane with him. I mean, his vision is, it, the two things that stand out to me so far have been the, the passing and the vision. I mean, we saw that right off the bat. You can just see, you know, he's like one of those chess players. It's just three or four moves ahead. He just yeah. knows we move the ball three or four plays away. Um, and then another thing that's really stood out is the rebounding. The rebounding is really, really good um, in terms of how he can read the ball off the glass, the angles, the, you know, he sees shots. He follows a shot really well, which you don't see too much from guards. And he can get it. And he gets a lot of second chance points or he gets second chance opportunities to list at least um, defense. He's engaged. You know, that was kind of a big question mark coming in and, you know, he's not in the running to be an all-NBA defender right now, but he is making defensive plays. He's making steals. He's very, very long. He's generating deflections. And his shot has been there. I mean, he, he's doing a good job of attacking the rim, attacking the basket. He can, he's good at finishing around the rim. Um, and the three-point shooting is, I think it's probably 33 34% right now, which is respectable for a rookie. Um, and I think he's hovering right around 40. So, I mean, nightly, it's like a 12.7 rebounds, six assists, steal or something. I mean, he's been, he's been tremendous and his attitude has been great. Um, wants to learn the veterans have not, 
you know, the veterans have been praising him nonstop throughout the year about how much he wants to learn, how much he asks questions, how much he just has an infectious attitude. He loves basketball. I mean, a lot of people say that, you know, this guy loves basketball. LaMelo Ball absolutely loves basketball, loves every single element about it. Um, and that's so huge, especially for a young team. And um, he's a really, really special talent. And um, I think the Hornets organization really, you know, got lucky with getting him as part of the organization. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree with that. It, just from, from everything I know, and some of my friends who cover uh, Charlotte, I mean, uh, the guys at Busby, I, if I remember correctly, you know them, uh, like Richie and Brian and Spencer, you know, they were, I remember when they recorded their pod after, uh, um, after they got the number three pick and, and you guys drafted LaMelo, um, I mean, they were ecstatic. And I think it was so huge. I mean, obviously you go from the eighth pick, not to say that that's not going to be a good player, but like getting someone like LaMelo who could be a legit franchise changing player is, is huge. Um, and you're seeing that. And it's so funny, too, because I think um, I didn't understand. And one of my friends, I don't, I don't know if you know P.D. Webb, he's uh, kind of a, just came out of nowhere on, on, uh, on, on Twitter and has been a total revelation in terms of, you know, draft and player development stuff. Uh, he wrote a really good article on um, on LaMelo Ball. I'll have to send to you. But mm-hmm. uh, it's interesting because I think especially him and Lonzo um, and I guess a little bit with Leangelo, it's different because he's not quite the same level of, uh, of player. Um, but they had a lot of uh, criticism, you know, put upon them because of their dad. And it's uh, it's been interesting to me to see that and, and kind of experience that, because I think in in looking at both Lonzo and LaMelo, they're pretty cerebral guys, you know, like they especially Lonzo, like he's really quiet. And I, I think LaMelo's maybe got a little bit more flair to to his game and uh, to his personality as well. But um I think if you could speak on that as well, because I think that's just from my opinion in, in like catching some secondhand interview stuff and, um, you know, seeing who they really are. I think there was a lot of uh, a lot of flack coming out because of their dad. And uh, I feel like that has been pretty unwarranted. Yeah. Um, like I said, it's, it's just it was such a unique situation, particularly for the, the second two, Leangelo and Lamello. Um, Milanzo obviously went the conventional route to college. Um, and I think it's just, you know, when you have these, you know, you, you right or wrong, you know, kind of being in the public eye since Melo has been, you know, since his freshman year at Chino Hills, when he had the 92 point game, I mean, it's just, that's a, that's just not normal. That's not normal to have an iPhone and, uh, you know, a recorder in front of your face every time you do something on a basketball court since you're 14. So, um, you know, it, it kind of makes sense. I think he's a little bit more introverted in, in media interviews and things like that. I just, mm-hmm you know, it, it can kind of be, it can be a lot. And especially for our 18, 19 year old kid, I don't think he wants to be, you know, I don't want to say necessarily wants to be the superstar, but you know, he just wants to be, I think one of the, one of the guys on the team he wants to be part of the team. And he, I think it's after so many years of kind of moving around, I think he's so excited just to kind of be in one place for the time being. And um, you know, in my interactions with him, he's been just cordial, respectful. I mean, just everything is just want to get better basketball. Um, you know, love my teammates, love Charlotte, you know, I'm so excited, you know, it doesn't take, you know, a couple of weeks ago when he had the, he became the youngest, youngest player to win, record the triple double, which is all exciting for us. I mean, this was huge. And, you know, just, you know, that's, it's cool. You know, I'm just happy we got the win. So he doesn't, you know, he, he's very, very humble, which is something that I think is not, wouldn't necessarily be normal of most people given the, you know, if you've been a, basically a star in the basketball world since you since you're 14 years old, to have the level of humbleness that he has is pretty special, I think. And, uh, you know, just, I, it's been cool too. The other thing about him is, you know, is the Hornets, especially the last couple of years, just 
to kind of get a little bit more national attention and to get, you know, getting on, it's just little things like just getting on sports center where the top 10 plays and a league pass alert. You talk about, you know, this is the Hornets to my team and people writing articles on the ringer and things like that. It's something that's really cool for Charlotte. It's definitely got um, the national interest of the team has been kind of parked up a little bit mm-hmm. um, the last few months. Um, and it's been really cool. I think it's cool for the organization. I think they could really use the, you know, especially after Kemba's departure a couple of years ago, which is really tough. I think, you know, having somebody like LaMelo and Gordon Hayward as well, and the, some of the other young guys really playing well, which I'm sure we'll touch on, has been really cool for the franchise um, lately. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, speaking on some of the other guys, I want to talk about the backcourt really quick because obviously LaMelo hasn't been starting. Um, Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham have both had kind of different seasons so far. Um, it's interesting because a lot of people are bringing up, you know, Devontae's struggling this year, but last seven games so pretty much just you know last two weeks he's actually been pretty good um back to he's actually been better than i don't want to say better than last year but his efficiency has been better than last year you know 42 percent from the field just about 38 percent from three on nine a game and obviously i know he takes stuff off movement a lot of stuff off the dribble um he's looking a little bit back to normal in terms of that do you think that he's kind of righted the ship on uh on how he was to start the year because he was really struggling from the field uh, early on that's Devonte, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. It was, uh, you know, it's just it's it was a really different adjustment for him. Like you said, he played. He had so much, and even last year too. So he started the, on the bench last year mm-hmm. with Terry as the starting point guard, and then Dwayne Bacon was shooting guard. And after ten games, I think James Borrego was like, "I got to get him into the starting lineup because he's just it's it's he's too good right now." Um, and then Devonte took with that and ran with it. He's a rising star. He finished the year, I think, top ten in the league in assists and, and three pointers. Um, and then this year it's, you know, I don't think he's regressed by any means. I think it's just, you know, the poor shooting was a little bit indicative of the new role he was taking on. Gordon Hayward is handling the ball a lot more, um, and kind of the primary offensive option, at least in the starting unit, PJ Washington handled the ball a little bit more, um, had a, had Cody Zeller go down with a broken hand in the first game, um, who's now back, but, um, that kind of messed, you know, that changed the chemistry in the starting lineup and then Terry too, um, so, yeah, I mean, Devonta, even during that stretch where he wasn't shooting very well, I wrote an article about, you know, he was something like first on the team in net rating, first on the team in defensive rating. He was top 12 in the league in assists, top 12 in the league in steals. I mean, he was finding ways to impact the game, which is really, really impressive sign of maturation from him. Um, and, yeah, lately, you know, I know still on the, if you look at strictly just numbers, they're still not jumping off the page. The last four games, he hasn't stopped shooting. He's – he hit a lot of big shots in the first Orlando game that really kind of propelled the, the you know, comeback from down 12 to start the fourth quarter the other night. Um, so him and Terry have been great. And Terry, I think, I haven't looked at his numbers lately, but he had 24 last night. He's having a career year shooting. Oh, he's been three, remarkable. Yeah, he's been really good. Chicken catch and shoot situation has been really, really good. And, um, you know, he came into a situation last year in Charlotte expecting to be the starting point guard and then was kind of moved off ball. And I cannot speak highly enough of how well he handled that from a personal standpoint and how impressive he has been from leadership since he, since he got to Charlotte. Yeah. I mean, what's cool about Terry too, um, especially because last year was the first year, I think that he finished above 40% from the field. And he's like, in terms of efficiency, he's shooting like 46 and a half percent from the field this year, which is like ridiculous. And he's one of the best catch and shoot players in the league still. And he's shooting about 43% from three right now. Um, he's really just fit in. Like he's obviously he's not, he's not Kemba. It would be disparaging to say, you know, to either of them that, that he's replaced Kemba, but in a way, I mean, him and Devonte both kind of, you know, finding their own roles 
and meshing together has made sense for where the team is going right now. Um, you know, but also, I mean, we have, we have to talk about Gordon Hayward because Gordon is like, obviously there's, there's definitely a, uh, an Indiana tie there in terms of how things uh, kind of shook out um, this off season. So I guess I would, I would ask right away how, how surprised were you by, you know, by Gordon signing in, in Charlotte? Uh, it was pretty surprising. I think it was like two or three days after the draft and we got the, the Woj alert, as they all say. And, yep. Um. I was in the middle of a podcast actually when it happened. And then I was like, well, I have to scrap this entire podcast and I will start recording something entirely new about how Gordon Hayward is not coming to Indiana. Cause at that point, not to interrupt, but like um, it felt from an Indiana perspective as if it was almost a done deal. And, and we were just kind of waiting for um, things to get finalized on, on a deal between uh, Boston and, and, and the Pacers. And then that popped up, I think it was on a Sunday Um mm-hmm in the middle of the day. I was like, okay, all right, well <laughs> on to the next one. Yeah. We couldn't, uh, I think it took like eight or nine days to be finalized. So we actually couldn't really talk about it at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really know to what extent other teams were involved in it. Um, but you know, it's certainly interesting, you know, it, it's just being Charlotte and kind of being a small market. I mean, big free agents don't necessarily sign here in Charlotte. I think this is probably the most significant free agent to sign with the franchise that was with a franchise before, um so probably al jefferson in 2013 maybe so um you know it's a lot of it you know can get traced back to the hornets head as well known they had an offer sheet out for gordon he signed it back in 2014 i think in utah jazz matched it and then um but gordon said you know that was a big thing i never really forgot that never forgot the the trust that you know michael jordan and the franchise had me all those years ago um, it's kind of funny on, on the website, we had a, we found a picture of the, so we brought Gordon Hayward in, um, in 2014 for kind of meeting with it. They had a picture of Gordon on the, the video board outside the arena yeah. and we did like seven years later. So like then and now, <laughs> um, that's funny, but you know, he's been great. You know, it's been, I think, um, you know, just off the court, I, I'm, I, I've met him, I guess, virtually a few times. I haven't met him face to face yet, but you know, he's been a fantastic leader. It's, it's weird to think he's the oldest guy on the team right now at age 30. Yeah, uh, yeah. That he says, I, you know, I feel weird that I'm one of the old guys now. Um, but, you know, what happened in Boston has obviously been well chronicled with the injury, wiped out his first year, and the second year was basically getting back to where he was. Um, and then the third year, um, he's playing really well at the start of last year, and then he broke his hand and then kind of came back, and he's the third or fourth option behind Tatum and J- Jalen Brown and Kemba at the time. Um, and he, I think he just needed a change of scenery. I think it's – I think he – you know, not speaking before him, but I think he just wanted to you – know, he just felt like this is the good fit, and I think he he wanted not necessarily to be the guy, but I think he – I don't think he, he wanted to be all about him here in Charlotte, but I think he wanted a role that was bigger than what was evolving in Boston. And that wasn't anybody's fault. I mean, I don't think people necessarily thought Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were going to take the jumps that they did the last, the last few years. Um, I mean, he's been tremendous. I, I can't speak highly enough of his character. I think he's, he's rubbing off on the other guys. Um, he's already had like three, four 30 point games here at a career high earlier this year. He almost had a 40 point game in the first Orlando game and missed I think one free throw with like 0.01 seconds left. And you can tell he's like, oh, he knew he was going to get, he knew if he just made that, he had another 40 point game. Yeah. Um, but he's just been tremendous. I mean, the scoring is just three point mid range around the basket. I mean, he's just hitting on all levels right now. Great rebounder, great passer. 
Um, just really, really smart player. And you can tell that this change in scenery has really rejuvenated him. Um, you know, the word he keeps using after games, you know, big games, like I'm just having fun here. And I think not that he necessarily wasn't having fun in Boston, but I think it just, what happened at the start, it was just an uphill battle from there. Um, And, you know, the fact that he's having fun again, he's averaging career highs right now in his 11th season um, from everywhere. And it's, I don't think that can be um, underestimated just how much he's enjoying himself right now. Yeah. I think those are all really great points too. I mean, like um, it's interesting because like you talked about with, um, you know, with, with his career in Boston, um, I remember watching that first game because obviously it was against the Cavs and I was still in high school at that point. And, um, you know, they were – so they were playing. I was watching very first game of the season and that happened. And I remember, um, you know, you just think about I, – I think Al Horford signed the year before and he was like Boston's biggest free agent in forever. And then uh, Gordon signs that next year. And, and I, I mean, there were thoughts that, that Gordon was going to be, you know, face of the franchise, you know, like this next next big thing in Boston. And it just never worked out that way. Not that he was bad. I mean, he was fantastic. I think he, to me, it, it's it's a really interesting uh, kind of paradox to look at because he was, I mean, pretty much the fourth option on the team last year, but ridiculously efficient. So obviously his uh, scoring numbers were down and everything, and he was in a very different role, but he was still incredible. I mean, really good defender too. I think he never gets enough credit for how good of a defender he is. Um and obviously you mentioned as a passer, like the assist numbers don't like pop off the page. I think he's at like three and a half or four assists right now, but I think he's even better of a passer than that. And we've seen that. Um, so it's just cool to see him. I, I, I don't want to say I expected him to have a career year, but I expected him to come in and, and play pretty much like where he was at in Utah when he was running things and, and performing really well. So it's been awesome to see him do that. And I don't know, not to be like a, a shill of small markets, but as someone who grew up in a small market and covers a small market, like, I don't know, it's just cool to see somebody come in, want to go there and perform well and and, and see how things go like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, obviously he's no more for his Utah days and Boston days. So it hasn't been a, you know, huge emotional connection with him yet in the sense of the Charlotte fan base, because he hasn't been here that long. But it's been really cool to see other players in the league and other teams, you know, congratulate him on the success and again it's only been 15 games but you know and you haven't necessarily won anything per se but to see you know guys around the league congratulate like awesome job Gordon Hayward because everybody kind of knows where they were when they heard what happened in Cleveland a few years ago and you know just to see you almost felt like the guy was just getting robbed I mean he's lost basically two years like yeah. he lost that year and he lost the next year because the next year was all about just getting back to where he was before the injury I mean robbed him two years when he's 28 29 years old I mean that's that's the prime and so to see that support from the around the league and different players just being like man Gordon Hayward like good for him like awesome job and and you know I'm getting to know him a little bit more just kind of you know the interviews and stuff like that and we're obviously still working remote but I'm, I'm thrilled for him I didn't I wasn't really following his career a whole lot before this just because he was on another team but mm-hmm. um so happy for him that, that the way things are going right now again I know it's a long season there's a long ways to go you know he's kind of taking it day by day but um just for after everything he went through it's it's really really cool just from like a personal human element to be like you know what this guy was was one of the best scorers in the league one of the most efficient one of the best teammates too and you know, it's, we're all being reminded that, you know, the injury is, is hopefully in the past, at least that's that specific, the leg injury. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, in transitioning to some more of the front court players, 
I, I'll just make my thing about PJ Washington quick. Otherwise, this will be like a two hour podcast. I love PJ Washington, just one of my favorite players in the league. I really enjoyed him last year. Like, I remember watching, uh, I mean, he hardly even attempted threes at Kentucky, he was not a good three point shooter at Kentucky. And then I think it was the first or second game of the season. I want to say it was against Chicago when he yeah. just lit it up from outside. I remember watching that game. I was like, who is this guy? Where is this coming from? And that was just how I felt with him last year. Like, he reminds me a lot of Paul Millsap in a way, like, you know, kind of in how he moves on court. Um, obviously not that level of defender yet. I think he's uh, he's going to get there eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just – I can't speak highly enough on P.J. I Just fun player. But Miles Bridges to me has been the – the best part of this Charlotte season for me and watching them from afar. Like, um, so I went to Michigan state for a couple of years while miles was there. And I remember watching him and um, all of the issues he had at Michigan state were still issues last year. You know, could was uh, his handle really was what kept him from being a full-time three uh, really wasn't the best with decision-making and still was kind of struggling as an off ball defender. Um, and this year, I mean, his passing again, the numbers aren't there, but the passing, I just from watching, he's making reads that I haven't seen him do ever. Um, and he's put, doing them consistently now. He just looks like a better ball handler. And he's putting together just an, an incredible season coming off the bench, which has been really cool considering like, I mean, he he spent time coming off the bench the last couple of years too. Um, but to be comfortable taking a full-on role off the bench is kind of more of a six-man. Um, finding that efficiency and just becoming a more complete player has been awesome. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, you know, his third year, he started rookie year. He came off the bench for the most part. And I think maybe with like two weeks left in the season, he started starting in Jeremy in place of Jeremy Lamb. Last year, he was a starting three. Um, and not saying that he didn't live up to expectations necessarily, but that's just, that's a hard thing to do. It's oh, a yeah. starting three in the NBA, not only offensively, but the guys you go against. I mean, you look at the best starting threes in the league. I mean, it's just night after night after night it's LeBron it's you know someone like Kevin Durant it's just Jimmy Butler it's it's really hard and I think um obviously adding Gordon this year you know kind of put Miles back into a role that you know I think is really suited for him he's been he's been tremendous coming off the bench the energy the defense I mean um like you said the ball handling the playmaking I mean everything just seems a little bit better than it was last year and I don't know if that's the reduced role I don't know if it's you know, he's still playing a good amount and, you know, they're leaving him in closing lineups and stuff here and there. Um, he was a big reason he was called out for it after the game on, on Sunday, uh, really sparking the team's comeback win in Orlando. I mean, defensively, he really just said, you know, JB said that the energy that he had in the start of that fourth quarter was the catalyst for that. Um, it's been cool to see his three point shooting. I think it's something at like 40%. He was 32 last year. Mm-hmm. Um, really good finishing around the basket. He's making plays, blocking, I mean, it's just everything, you know, nothing is, you know, I would say jumping out of full blown, but I'd say the ball handling and just everything seems to be just a step quicker than it was last year. And and the connection that he has with LaMelo Ball off the bench has been really, really good as well. We're still trying to figure out a nickname for those two. Um, some bench ball. There's a lot of bees working in there. Bridges ball. Yeah. Bench. Still working on something uh to try and, and coin it but you know he's been really good he's been playing a little bit more small ball for this year or i should say a lot more small ball for um and some three as well so um he's been re- it's been cool to see his progression because he went from one thing and then to something else and now he's kind of found the role so and that's kind of what it's about in the nba you know you find your role and you find ways to impact the game and you can have a long career in this league 
Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Um, so I guess I'll transition to the Pacers then. You know, what are your thoughts on uh, if, you know, I, I don't know how yeah. much you've, you've caught of them, but what are your thoughts kind of on Indiana um, so far this year, just in general and uh, thoughts on the matchup a little bit? Um, no, I haven't actually watched too much Pacers. I or any I, questions. I'll take, I'll take questions yeah. too. Any, any opportunity um, to answer questions, I'm always down. You know, the way I kind of do games is I kind of write, start working on the next opponent the day before the game. So right now I'm kind of going to the Indiana stuff. It's been all, especially with these games with the same team in two consecutive days, yeah. it's been nothing but Orlando Magic thoughts for the last three days. Is I'm having to kind of like, you know, decompress from that. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, Indiana's always been a tough team for Charlotte. I think the last couple of years I was looking, I think they've lost um, something like I actually had it written down. Um, lost three straight to Indiana, five of the last six head-to-head meetings. Only win was in overtime last year. I think it was Devontae Graham at a 35-point game. So for whatever reason, I mean, and Indiana's always been good. And even with a coaching change this year, they've, you know, my impressions. And then I'll kind of spin it back to you and you can tell me whether I'm right or wrong. Yeah, for sure. Um, just always just solid players. I mean, they just have guys in the system that just know how to play basketball. Um, always physical, always good around the rim, always disruptive. I mean, the last two games we played in, in Indiana, I think we're just really got away from the Hornets, like 30, 35 point losses, something like that. I mean, they just are really, really relentless. They don't take games off. And it's been really impressive to see that in the transition between, um, you know, Nate McMillan to Nate Bjorklund, hopefully I'm saying that right. Um, and just looking at their guys, I mean, Malcolm Brogdon, I know he had a career high last night, has been just tremendous acquisition for them. DeMontis Bonus, who I know got hurt last night, and we'll see if he plays in these games, has been, you know, every certainly worthy of the all-star, you know, nomination he got last year. Miles Turner seems to be having kind of a resurgence. I know he leads the league in block. Um, you know, on a personal standpoint, thrilled to see Jeremy Lamb back on the court. Um, oh, yeah, Jeremy's he's been – I can speaking on Jeremy. He if 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 I told you if like in watching the last three games, um, if somebody had told me that he had torn his ACL and damaged his knee um, just about this time last year and had not had any kind of uh, ramp up or uh, anything. I mean, obviously went through practice and rehab and all that, but uh, just to go straight into a real role, coming off the bench as a six man. Uh, I mean, he literally looks like he hasn't missed a beat. It's ridiculous. I actually think he looks like a better shooter now, too. He's shooting more comfortably from three. Like, it's been incredible to see him come back. I'm super pumped for him because he's a he's an awesome dude. Um, yeah. And one of the funniest people, I think, yes. ever. <laughs> he's probably the funniest guy on the Pacers, mostly unintentionally. Like, he carries around a bag of Skittles with him a lot. Um, or, no, it's not Skittles. I think it was Starburst. I can't remember. It's, but, yeah, just cool dude. Awesome to see him back. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really happy for him. He he came in Charlotte. I think we started 2015, so we had him there for four years. And I, I didn't see, you know, didn't have a guys, having guys in Charlotte that are there, you know, as long as I've been there in terms of like consecutive seasons. But the growth that he had, both basketball-wise and personally, um, during that stretch was just remarkable. Really, really happy, Jeremy. I've loved all my interactions with him. I was, I was really really bummed when he got hurt last year and then to see him come back and I saw he had 20 I haven't watched him yet but I saw he had 22 points in, in the game last night has been really really cool he's an awesome guy and then um obviously the other news that that Indiana has you know made that trade a couple weeks ago moving Victor to Houston and then um got Karis LeVert in return who I know has not played yet because of a medical condition um and hopefully everything is irons out well with that um situation it's obviously scary but 
luckily they caught it. So, yeah. but you know, I'm guessing kind of Indiana is right now, you know, you, you expected to, you got rid of a major piece and kind of expected to get a major piece back and Karis LeVert and you haven't really worked and been able to work from in yet through no fault of his own. Um, but, you know, it's kind of just finding right now life after Victor Oladipo and it seems like Malcolm Brogdon and, and, you know, some of the big guys are scoring a lot in the paint. Um, obviously the rim protection is there with Miles Turner. So just an overall, it's, it's really impressive what Indiana does. They just seem to every single night that just, you know, you're going to face a really, really good, talented, solid basketball team. That's going to force you to play for all 48 minutes every single night, regardless of the personnel, coaching staff, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's definitely, Oh, no, no. I mean, I think that was a good way to put it. Um, it's it's kind of funny because I think when you look at Nate McMillan, I thought he got a lot of unnecessary flack, frankly. I mean, I understood why he got fired, and I, I think especially after stuff came out after he did get fired, um, it makes sense. Um, the team definitely needed a direction shift. But what was you know really present with him uh, when he was at the helm is that the team approached every regular season game like it was a playoff game. Um, which is also conversely kind of what bit them in the ass when it, it actually came to the playoffs because they played one way and one way really well. But when you can only really play one way, uh, especially in the playoffs, I mean, that's just mostly untenable um, because teams can scheme against you in, in, a, in ways that, that really takes away from what you do well. Um, this year has been different. Um, Nate Bjorkren is uh, – I mean, first of all, the players love Nate Bjorkman. They they talk about him in the in the post game pressers all the time and just press press conferences in, in general about how much they enjoy him and how he handles things. Um, they're way more variable in what they do, especially defensively. Like defensively, last year um, and even the year before, I mean, they almost never made changes. It was strictly man to man. Like they they would throw in zone eventually um, if the matchups weren't going well. But I mean, they were very conservative and in, in how they would play defense this year they play one of the most aggressive brands of defense in the game which can actually not always be great because i mean if miles isn't in there uh the few games that they play without miles they were horrid defensively because they were um i mean they'll use similar to how denver does with Jokic. i mean they'll use domas to uh to to double ball screens um and just play really aggressive brand there but if Miles isn't there on the back end, it, I mean, Doug McDermott's rotating on the weak side. And I'm sorry, Doug, you're not a shot blocker. Like, and asking him to be is, is ridiculous. But um, so that's been different. I mean, they'll throw out box and one. They'll throw out, I mean, basically what the Raptors do. Um, Caitlin Cooper, who obviously writes with me over at Indy Cornrows, or I should say I write with her because uh, she pretty much is Indy Cornrows at this point. But, uh, I mean, she – coin them the the indiana raptors and that there's there's some validity to that because of how they they throw in wrinkles on the defensive end the one thing that luckily changed up yesterday um but has been a little bit of a thorn in the side is that uh they're running like an eight-man rotation pretty much um and luckily yesterday they ran i think they had nine guys who played double digit minutes which that's like the first time that's happened this year um and that I mean, part of what the front office talked about and the coaching staff talked about coming into the year is how they wanted to develop players. They wanted to, uh, you know, run a deeper bench and be more variable in lineups. And that just hasn't been the case until uh, until yesterday. So I'm hopeful that that will remain and, and stand pat because that is a uh, very key for 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 the team moving forward, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting to hear your perspective. I, I'm trying to watch as much. Uh other basketball as possible, but I've kind of weaned myself off this year. I, I, I you know, wife and everything. It's like, you know, yeah. just watch the do we have to watch the Phoenix Suns Sacramento Kings game that comes on right afterwards? Well, you know, probably not. So yeah, 
Um, it is interesting in your perspective. And, you know, I know it's, you know, it, a couple of things you said, it's interesting because Charlotte is kind of doing a similar thing running. I said they're running an eight man rotation, but they're certainly running like an eight and a half minute rotation the last couple of games in terms of it seems to be they're playing Caleb Martin, maybe six or seven minutes off the bench. And then Cody Zeller, um, Bridges and Ball are getting their full minutes. And I think they're still trying to work Cody back into the starting lineup getting him back to the speed. I think he's been back in three games. And I think last night was probably his best performance. He actually was really good last night um, and kind of working in, you know, at some point, I don't know if they'll switch Biz and Cody or kind of go back and forth. But, um, you know, it's that's a big thing right now. It's just figuring out these lineups right now with these coaches and rotations. And it's, you know, the unpredictability of matchups and, and, you know, whether you zone or man to man, I mean, it's, it's, I think the, I love the strategy that's coming into play more so this year, which is so much, you know, I don't, I'm sure coaches don't love it, the lack, <laughs> yeah. of, lack of time and, and just, you know, the recovery and then, you know, factoring in, you know, the COVID protocols and health stuff and things like that. But, you know, I, I love the chess match and I love the, um, sort of like two games in a row against the same team. I agree. Um, factor i think it's it's cool it's like a playoff series and um you kind of see and we saw you know hornets did something and then orlando came back and kind of counteracted and i think charlotte's had we had one against philly we had one against toronto this year we had one sort of against the hawks but they played us twice in a row we had a game between it but um it's been cool i'm really excited for this game i think indiana's um always kind of brings out the best in their opponents which you know that's a compliment, you know, it's, they, they really kind of push you and, and they're really physical and they're really, um, you know, disruptive, I guess. So I'm excited for these two games and hopefully it'll be, uh, you know, I'll be honest, hopefully the Hornets can play well and get both wins, but you know, uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, Hey, I mean, I think the biggest thing is, uh, I mean, Gordon Hayward is going to be tough. Uh, there's, that's been the issue for the Pacers all year. Um, like just looking at the big wings who they've played, uh, Harrison Barnes, who I, I, I love Harrison Mars. I think he's a lot better than he ever gets credit for. Um, but he dropped 30 when they played Sacramento because uh, Justin Holiday, who I, Justin Holiday is a great player, great defender, but asking him to guard Harrison Barnes, who's pretty much a four at this point is, you know, that's a, that's a tough ask when he's like 195 pounds soaking wet. Um, and then Kawhi Leonard and Paul George both completely lit up the Pacers. Luckily, they didn't play. I mean, I, I wish we could have seen Pascal play, but Pascal Siakam did not play either of the last two games. And even OG Ananobi had 30 points, which he's not really somebody who you're – he's growing as an off-dribble threat um, or driving to the rim. But, I mean, that was on full display against the Pacers. So they really don't have anyone who uh, can guard uh, a real – any of the big wings or, or, uh, or, you know, small forwards in the league. So that'll be interesting. I'm sure if, if Gordon plays well, which I, I would expect he will in a, at least one of the games, if not both, um, it'll, it'll be a good matchup. I'm interested to see how it goes. And especially too, I mean, they're, uh, I need to go back and watch some more of the zone possessions, but they struggled a little bit uh, when Toronto went in zone with them yesterday. And I know if I remember correctly, Charlotte is the highest zone percentage in the league yeah. on defense. Um, especially when they run like PJ at the five, like that's just fun. Like the, the amount of movement that they get defensively is uh, it's, it's going to be good. I'm, I'm excited for this matchup. Yeah. They're definitely running a lot of zone right now. I think at least at some point in the last like three or four days, it was something like 20% of their defense possessions were in zone right now. And a lot of it had to do with Cody not being there. And then biz this mock Biombo is, you know, solid center, but he's only six, nine. He's just not gonna have the height advantage against some of these other traditional 
seven one you know big guys in the league Vucevic uh Turner and things like that and then like you said they're running PJ at the five two so some of it was kind of um out of necessity and you know they ran a lot of zone against Orlando and, and unfortunately Orlando just knocked down and hit 17 threes on Monday night which or Sunday night which tied the season high and then they hit 19 last night I mean it's just it's tricky too. you know you want to run zone because I think it's effective and it works for them at times and I think it um you know it's just it's it's the chess match like I said it's just knowing when to use it and I think you know you use it a lot and it's worked well um but you know it's tough when the other team starts shooting threes and making them it's you know what are you going to do so um hopefully kind of getting cody zeller back in the fold and then using pj at the five i think that's not that's something that jb does not want to go away from so um right now it's you gotten so used to playing basically played the whole season without cody zeller and now you're trying to get him back in to the style of play right now has been um it's a good problem to have when all your players are healthy but you want to make sure you're making the right decisions with the rotations yeah, most definitely. Well, um, yeah, g- game tomorrow, seven uh, seven Eastern, and then uh, two days later, another one at seven Eastern. So, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, Sam, thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing some of your insight with me. Uh, where can people find your work at? And uh, you know, do you have anything kind of in the works right now? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, probably should get something in the works. No, <laughs> Twitter um, at Sam underscore Pearly. It's pretty much just all Hornet stuff. I don't really. I don't really, not the most exciting person, but it's all just Hornets stats. I love numbers and Hornets.com. We have a lot of, um, you know, not just me, we have a lot of talented people there in terms of video production and and on our social spaces and things like that. So at Hornets or at SamPerly.com or not SamPerly.com, at Sam (laughs) on my own website. Um, Yeah, it's, you know, in terms of, you know, this game, we have five home, we have five games this week. We just, we had Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. And I think this is the first time in maybe five years I've been working with a team that we've had five games in a single week. So uh, I like to do a lot of statistical stuff and, and clean the glass and just kind of go through the stats right now. But we're just game after game after game. And it's it's a good problem to have. But, you know. Yeah, it's hard to do any of the, like the long projects when you have so many games going concurrently. Like I remember I tried to write something during the Western Commerce road trip that the Pacers had. And I think they played five games in seven days. And I was like, yeah, this is getting shelved till next week because I can't even, there's, there's like no time to function or think about anything else. Yeah. I'm the exact same way. I want to do some stuff and it's like, I want to write about, you know, three point shooting or something like that. And it's like, by the time it's ready, you just had two games that were completely against what you just yeah, wrote about. Exactly. I need a little bit of a, just a window. Let me put something together and throw it out there. And if whatever I'm writing about the opposite happens after it comes out, so be it. But um, I like to write a lot of human interest stuff, a lot of, you know, um, statistical based stuff. It's a little obviously tricky this year. We don't have direct contact with the players anymore, or at least for the time being Um, everything's on zoom, but um, kind of a balance of stats and human interest stuff and things like that, like storytelling. So a lot of good stuff on our website for sure. Awesome. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you're starting up a podcast soon, correct? Me personally? Yeah. Or you're you're joining one? I can't remember. I I thought I thought you tweeted out about getting a new microphone for podcasting or something. Oh no, that wasn't me. Uh, oh, I go damn. on. Uh, it might be somebody else. Uh, we we do have one. Our radio producer Sam Farber, um, who just joined us this year, does a daily podcast, um, just kind of rotating through different members of the organization, um, players. You know, a couple of people in our digital. I go on it probably every four or five days and just kind of recapping games or previewing mm-hmm. games, things like that. So people can check that out at the website. Um, but 
Yeah. Uh, no podcast. I mean, at least I'm not starting a podcast. It's news to me. Maybe someone's. <laughs> well, crap. That was my bad. Um, well, to everyone listening, of course, go follow Sam and all of his work, uh, especially follow him on Twitter too. Um, thank you again for coming on, man. And to everyone listening, just have a good rest of your day. Follow our work, follow Sam's work and uh, go Pacers.